All right. Hi, everyone. This is Matt Condo with the Step Up Podcast, talking with Dr. Lane Lonneman. Dr. Lane Lonneman holds a very special place in my heart, as she was my very first professor in my doctor of physical therapy journey. Lane, how are you doing? I'm doing great, Matt. It's, it's so great to be here. And thank you. You're one of my favorite people. Really? Wow. <laughs> Even though you know, I took your course 10 years ago, we just met two years ago, I hold that near and dear to my heart. <laughs> Absolutely. Anybody so, who's willing to improve themselves in physical therapy, they're number one. I appreciate that. So so tell me, how you been? What you up to? I'm good. I am uh, serving in the, as the Associate Dean of Physical Therapy at the University of St. Augustine for Health Sciences. So okay. that's my main occupation. I'm a mother of four boys and I'm married to Paul and uh, right. he's a physical therapist. So right. just having fun on the farm in Southern Indiana, but I work remotely. So I get to travel to Texas and California to the different campuses and St. Augustine, Florida, of course. Absolutely. So I do remember, I actually took a couple courses with Paul okay. um, at the end of my DPT journey. Um, and I always held fond of these stories from the farm that you used to tell us uh, via digital correspondence. That's good. So, so then what does an associate dean do? An associate dean basically has the role of leading the program directors. Okay. So I have a great team of program directors in the physical therapy programs, and I work with them to help basically oversee and, and create a vision for the physical therapy programs at the university. Okay. And I'm also, I also work with the faculty and listen to them. And basically, I'm there to serve them and make sure that we're going in the right direction for the programs and for the students. Okay, wonderful. So then, what big initiatives do you guys have for the next year? Well, we're implementing new technology. We're doing a lot of simulation uh, in our new curriculum. So our new curriculum is basically going to be a little bit shorter that we are jam-packing it with really great things and so we have uh, digital technology like telehealth we're educating the students in that we have simulations where we bring in multiple types of practitioners on the healthcare team to really prepare students to be the practitioners of today it's really interesting because telehealth, I think, got a huge jump start, obviously because of COVID. And, you know, I don't know how long you've been practicing. I know how long I've been practicing. Telehealth wasn't a thing when I got my bachelor's in PT, right? I'm that old. And so, so then tell me, how are you guys ushering in telehealth and where do you see it going? Well, we are basically teaching students how to use it. Um, the occupational therapy students, the physical therapy students to evaluate patients you know it's a different approach and of course you know St. Augustine's always been very hands-on and so we're teaching them how to to be able to live in the best of both worlds mm. so they can do the examination and then later see the patient oftentimes they're able to see the patient physically and then do the other hands-on tests or hands-on treatments that they need to do so well I think you bring up a very good point because you know we're a very hands-on profession right you know I always tell my students, I always hold my hands up and say, look, guys, these are your money makers, right? Take <laughs> care of them. It. You're right. Right. You, know, you really yeah. have to take care of them. But telehealth has kind of changed that narrative because you can't always touch the patient. So so what strategies do you guys employ to help students get over that barrier where they're used to using their hands and now they can't? Well, I think it really speaks to the pillar of communication. So they are emphasizing, um, we're emphasizing for them how to communicate appropriately, to really watch physical and visual cues. Maybe that you and I 
because we're in the room with the patient might not see it or have to really, really work at observing with a patient. Uh, also, they have to communicate effectively. So telling a patient to bend over or, you know, you, you'll get all kinds of lift lift their arm, you'll get all kinds of modifications of that in, in telehealth as compared to being in, in a clinic with them or even in a home health situation. So. And, that's, and that's really interesting because I think you hit it right in the head that you have to be very direct and succinct with communication. So, so then let me ask this, how much are you guys getting into just verbal communication with your students as opposed to because you know, I've seen therapists in the clinic many times will say, well, do it this way. And then they'll demonstrate, you know, some sort of motion, whether it's lumbar range of motion, whatever it is. How are you guys getting over that barrier of training your students in direct verbal communication? And, and we have systematic processes. Okay. So if this is what you want to do, these are some options, depending on, the, on your patient. And, and really, even the age of the patient has a huge impact on, on what they do. And it's interesting because I was just talking to um, a faculty member at Western Kentucky. She has a poster here. Mm -hmm. And she does uh, the pulmonology. She has a niche practice mm -hmm. in pulmonology. And she does telehealth with them. And she said they're in their 70s. So, you know, I think that's another barrier that we've got to get through to help our patients in rural areas, especially. Yes. Rural areas, the older patients who aren't as able to um, access clinics or don't have the transportation. But so it's, I think it's, it's exciting. I mean, I will always work in a hands-on uh, environment, I think, as a, as a clinician. Mm -hmm. But I certainly appreciate the, having the tools to do telehealth. Because if I needed to do it, if something happened again, our, our students are going to be ready. Well, I think you bring up a very good point with that as well because, yes, it does add some barriers, but also opens a lot of barriers. It does. Right? You know, I practiced in Southeast Ohio for a few years. Okay. And I can remember a patient in one particular section that was very hilly, very rural. And in January, she looked at me and goes, I'll see you in March because I'm going to get snowed in for the next 90 days. I know I am. Exactly. So telehealth, I think, really decreases those sorts of barriers because that person really could have used some therapy in some fashion. That's great. That is yeah. fantastic. So then uh, what else you got going on? <laughs> so uh, in, in the APTA Kentucky, I've been serving as the, in the role of delegate. This is my second term. And uh, Kurt is terming out, so he asked me if I would run for chief delegate for APTA Kentucky. So I represent... Kentucky members of the Physical Therapy Association to our APTA House of Delegates, to our national house. Okay. So so, so then you are a delegate. Um, and then I think I heard right before we got on here, you're going to be chief delegate. I'm running, and if I'm running. elected, I will be chief delegate. That's okay. correct. So, so then I have to ask, does chief delegate come with title, land, a funny hat, <laughs> anything like that? No, no, no? funny hats, oh, no. Darn. I basically help organize Let's the delegates. Let's change that. Yeah, right. <laughs> I think so. I think I'll have to talk to the president. Yes, yeah. <laughs> um, now, I, the chief delegate kind of facilitates the meetings, make sure that all the delegates have everything in front of them, of them that they need to really represent membership. So there may be physicians that are coming to the house of, before the House of Delegates in certain in certain areas of interest. It might be about imaging, you know, so new things that are coming up. It might have been about dry needling or some of the things. So, so we listen to the members of APTA Kentucky and take your views and bring them to the house and then vote accordingly to what we think is the best for the physical therapists in our profession. Well, and I think the House of Delegates sometimes is an unheralded hero in the profession. 
it really it's a lot of work you know I'm, it's a lot of debate it's a lot of discourse but that's also a very good thing but I think a lot of times people don't realize how practice acts and how practice patterns are driven by what happens in those delegate meetings so so then I you brought up imaging and I know I've talked with Charlie Workman a couple of times. Imaging is a huge initiative right now. Tell me, where are we with imaging? Well, we are considering opening the Practice Act and revising the uh, language within our practice to afford the opportunity for physical therapists in Kentucky to, to order uh, imaging. A variety of imaging and I don't know all the details of it okay. but um, different types of imaging that are within would be within the scope of our ability you know and we've been teaching imaging for, for quite a while mm -hmm. um, for example at Bellarmine when I was there there were students our graduates who came back who wanted to work as civilians in the military and so they were able to take the information that they had received from from our program and from the imaging courses that we taught and or other courses back to the military to say okay this is what i've had and then do i qualify to become as you know a civilian to practice in That's the military because they have okay. they have re they've been referring since the 70s right sure and, and they have you know we're looking more at data there's um, studies in rhode island mm -hmm. or a group in rhode island that's looking at more data related to how is it effective practice how is it improved care in rural areas and um so i'm excited about it it's not a done deal i'm not 100 sure that we're going to open it i don't know the the, the wording but i i have a feel there's at least 11 states that have access Wonderful. to that so so then you know when i was in pt school and coming right out of pt school in my home state of ohio we were still trying to push direct access through. Yeah. Right? I mean, you know, again, I'm that old. <laughs> right? Very young. Yeah. <laughs> Relative. Um, but, you know, I think one thing that people need to understand, especially with imaging and some of these new practice act changes, it takes some time to develop. Right? It takes some time to implement into practice. So, so then I also think that one thing we can do as representatives of our profession is pushing it out to our non-representatives, but also really emphasizing the fact that the more numbers we have, the more representation we're gonna have. Therefore, a lot of these Practice Act changes get pushed through a lot easier. Absolutely, and we have a task force, Janice Cooperstein, Chuck Hazel, and, mm. uh, and, I, and Avery, I'm not sure all the individuals that are on it, but they are working to help, you know, they've compiled all the educational resources that therapists have, for certifications in that area, and also are working to develop relationships. So we are all already talking to our lobbyists, mm -hmm. you know, and working to, to uh, find out who has individuals in the le legislature that has, you know, they have relationships that can talk with them about this is what this is what we're interested in. So those are the things that we need our members to do. And sure. also, and if you can't do that, then just contribute to the pack. And that, that helps us as well, because then we can afford to, to work with our lobbyists and, and other people. Well, and I, I think you bring up a very good point there with contributing to the pack, contributing to our lobbyists, because, you know, as we are healthcare providers, a lot of healthcare providers, at least in my experience, are all altruistic. We are dealing with something outside of healthcare, right? We're dealing with legislation, right? We're dealing with the law, and that runs on a very different set of rules than sometimes we act in healthcare. So, so then, one realization I had, and this was a few years ago, was we actually have a lobbyist, right? In most states, a lot of times, people think, oh, we don't have a lobbyist. We actually do have a lobbyist. 
We do. So, so how familiar are you with our lobbyists? Um, I have worked with her in the past. We've had several, um, in, in the time that I've been here, we've had several issues that have come open. And she is, she is very well, um, what's the word? Did you say savvy? She's savvy, but connected. Sorry. Okay. Well connected is, is what I was going for. And she knows a lot of the, the different other lobbyists as well. And so she works, you know, to make sure that if there are groups that might be opposed, let's get them in the room and let's talk to them beforehand and, and let them understand where, you know, what our needs are. Because we're not going in to try to change the world in imaging. We're not trying to do everything. Um, but... but I think that she is very helpful in looking at who would be the people that we need to talk to. Absolutely. And so. No, I completely agree with you. And I, I had a good opportunity in the last state that I taught in. Um, I was part of their legislation day. And, you know, if you ever want to see a professional association of full force and really coming together, that's the day to go to, right? Yes. Talking to our legislators, talking to our state representatives and state senators. And, you know, we were able to push through a practice act change that day just by talking to the right people. Just, that's right. And I'm hoping maybe spring conference we have some energy and bring some people in from the ABTA. But, you know, you bring up a good point about you're, you're an advocate, obviously, right. going to that to Capitol Hill Day to meet the, and, and even just talking to your legislators or sending them letters based on, you know, some of the things that are current in the ABTA. And I think everybody can do it at, at a different level. But the thing that I enjoy about being a delegate and in, in the House of Delegates is it's a different skill set. You mm -hmm. learn how to read motions. You understand bylaws. I understand Robert's rules. Mm -hmm. And so you work within that system. And I, I just recently reached out to someone who is a recent... UK graduate and she said I'd like to get involved and I'm interested in what a delegate is and I said I will mentor you I know that there are people out there so if there are people that are interested please call the board call me I would love to mentor them and help them to develop that skill set it's not that hard it's just you know you just kind of have to know people who are willing to kind of talk you through it and I, I told Kurt I said now I, I'm delegate, but I haven't ever been chief delegate, so you're going to help walk me through the ropes at first, right? <laughs> and what did Curtis say to that? And he said, absolutely, okay, I'm here good. for you. Good for Kurt. Good for Kurt. Good. So I am hoping he, 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 in addition, he's termed out as chief, but he's also going to run as a delegate. Wonderful. And he brings a lot of great experience and, and is loyal to Kentucky for sure. Oh, absolutely. You know, I was actually on my drive up here. I was listening to a podcast, and they said that the greatest question you can ask is will you help me? Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. What are your thoughts on that? I like that because it, it gives you, I had to, it gave me pause for a moment, but it, it does show that you are willing to be open, you know, willing to ask and, and admit that you don't know something. So I think that that is, that's a really great question. Will you help me? And also it shows you have energy, you have interest. You have passion for something that you want to be helped with, right. Right? right? So I think, you know, and I think nine times out of ten, people say yes. Right. You know, I I mean, that's, I work in AOMT. I'm the president of AOMT. Mm -hmm. That's another item of things that I'm doing right now, but I love that. <laughs> One more and, of the spinning <laughs> plates, right? <laughs> well, then I'm at the end of my second term. But I have asked, people have come in and said the same thing. You sure. know, will, will you teach me? Will you help me? And I have reached out to them, and everyone has said yes. Every time I ask for anything, you know, and, and it related to AOMT or association growth or just committee work, 
um, task forces. Mm -hmm. They've been very well. And that's what I love about physical therapy, too, I think. As you mentioned, people are pretty altruistic and willing to help. Well, absolutely. I mean, let's face it. A lot of us get into this profession because we want to help people, right? You know, when I ask my students, why do you want to become a physical therapist? That's the number one answer. I want to help people. Right. So I think that even extends further into getting into education, getting into academics. As you know, there's some scary barriers getting into academics, right? There's some scary barriers getting into legislation. But if you simply just reach out and say, if I buy, buy a cup of coffee or if I buy you lunch or let's just sit down and talk, most people are going to want to do it with you, yeah, right? Because absolutely. we're all we all win when that happens. Right. I completely agree. And most of the time, people are really wanting to develop a secession plan <laughs> to have people who Agreed. are younger than them who are willing to take up the baton. Because all of the work that we've done to create a foundation and a strong, you know, strong advocacy and um, environment in the state. We want to keep that going, so I think people are always willing to do that. Wonderful. Good, good, good. Do you have anything else that's on your mind? I don't think so, not today. I'm okay. looking forward to the conference tomorrow and going to see some of the posters. Okay, fantastic. Do you have a, a hot session that you're going to go see tomorrow? Um, like one where you saw it on the list and you said, I don't care what's happening, I'm going to go see that. Well, my husband's presenting, and I should know the name of his title. Oh, no! <laughs> no, it's... We won't tell him. It's evidence, evidence-informed or decision, clinical decision-making around um, an orthopedic. I think it's maybe low, low back pain, but they're presenting sure. the clinical practice guidelines and current practice, best practice around a certain topic area that I'm not 100% sure. It might be lumbar, it might be orthopedic something. So I'm definitely going to that. Fantastic. <laughs> Good. And you're going to sit in the front row. Yeah, that's right. And heckle. And, oh, and heckle. Oh, oh boy. Oh, come on. You know how that goes. Oh, I do. I do know how that goes. You I remember definitely. those days. Oh, yes. I remember those days. I still have those days. <laughs> that happened to me at their uh, Western District meeting. There you go. Oh, hey, how are you? Good. Good to see you. Doing? Doing great. It's good to see you. Doing all right? Yeah, doing great. Great, thanks.